Hey, what's going on, guys? Well, just a Sunday morning around here, and gosh, I got thinking about bear hunting. I'm just having so much fun lately. Um, it's such a thrilling springtime hunt that we can all do, and and uh, I just want to sit down and record a podcast and try to get some information out to find these bears. So this is like a bear 2.0, because I've done a couple of these in the past, and I'm just always learning and always evolving my hunting and getting better. And so like this bear podcast, I just want to revisit it. And I wanted to get it out at, at the beginning of the season. And well, then I've just been hunting so much that I haven't had time to sit down. But I think this is a good thing because, you know, I've been able to have a bunch of experiences. I've been able to find a bunch of bears. Um, and, and I'm just in the heart of season right now, so it's just all I'm thinking about. So this is the perfect time. Sit down, record this podcast. We still have three, four weeks of most bear season, so you guys can get after it and hopefully harvest a bear, and uh, me included. <laughs> I need to I need to keep after him and grab a vantage point this afternoon and go get after him. So anyways, that's what the podcast is today. Um, I want to thank our sponsors for the show, High Mountain Seasonings. Uh, High Mountain Seasonings, I love like homemade jerky. I've been doing a bunch of batches of it. And they have all different flavors for it. Uh, they've got steak marinades. And so, you know, no, no matter how bad of a cook you are, you make anything taste good with these seasoning packs. They have sausage packs, uh, summer sausage packs, the casings, um, anything you need to butcher process your own game. So thanks to High Mountain Seasonings for everything they do. Uh, I also want to thank Taito Knives. Uh, they just make replaceable blade knives that are ultra lightweight. Um, they, they just, the, the day and age of having to carry two knives and a sharpener, uh, it's all gone by the wayside for me. I love these replaceable blade knives as they're just, they're, they're so surgically sharp every time you go to use them. I can process an entire elk, an entire deer with this knife, and it weighs in at about, what, an ounce and a half? Um, just crazy how lightweight they make them and then to always have a sharp blade and not have not having to sharpen my blades as I'm processing animals or carry a bunch of weight so I just think they're the coolest thing going and and I always have one with me so make sure to check them out Taito Knives with that let's get into it uh, bear, th- bear season 2019 um, man what a wild ride it's been so far um, I've seen 21 bears so far um, I think I've seen four shooters uh, for me. And for, you know, I'm just looking for, for a decent representation of a good boar. Um, I, you know, I'm just guessing. I think Pope and Young is like 16 and a half or something, maybe around a 17-inch skull. And really that's what I'm looking for is like a, you know, you'll be surprised that black bears just aren't that big. You walk up on a lot of them and, and they're just like this smaller subspecies of bears. And so the average bear probably weighs, you know, I don't know, 200 pounds or so. And so for me, I'm looking for a boar. I'm looking for one that's, you know, five and a half feet squared. So what that means is five and a half feet from the tip of the nose to the tail when you lay the bear out after you've skinned it. Or you can also measure, you know, tip of the front paw to tip of the front paw and they're usually about the same measurement so you know I'm usually looking for like a five and a half footer would be my bare minimum Uh, five and a half foot mature boar like different areas have different size bears too and it's weird that they're all different you can't just find a bear that's seven years old and he's going to be a seven foot bear like it takes certain genetics there's you know, there's the Shaquille O'Neal of bears and there's the, the Brian Barney of bears, you know, like I'm not that big of a guy. Um, and, and you find them like, um, you'll find them, 
uh, more lanky. I used to think that word was lengthy. It's it's not. It's lanky. Uh, but you know where they're they're stretched out. They're gonna measure bigger. But they're and then you also have like roly poly bears, like really fat. And I'm looking for a bear that you know. A lot of the smaller bears, what happens is, is they're fat in the stomach and they almost shrink in the chest and get really small where you lay out the right, like you want to find one that's all the way filled out. Um, a decent boar, like I'm looking for a five and a half is bare minimum, but you know, really like a six foot boar, you know, 17, 18 inch skull is where they start to get that, that pumpkin look to them where they start to get that boar head on them. You know, I really like that. Um, but you know, bear hunting's like any hunting out there where you just have to learn about them. You have to harvest your first bear. You have to, you know, they're the toughest animal to field judge. I mean, even the years of experience in the bears I've killed, like I'm still picking up tricks and, and, and secrets to judging these bears. And, you know, I I'm really good at telling the big ones from the small ones. Um, but when they get in that medium range, like that five to six foot range, you know, that's the tough time to tell. So, um, you know, judging them is one of the, one of the toughest things, but it's no fun to walk up on a, on a small bear, have them shrink on you. I mean, it, let me say this correct. Like any bear you should be proud because they're tough to find and tough to harvest. Um, but you, you really want to kill a good representation of the species. And even if it's your first bear, you know, you want it to be over five foot. You don't want it to be a three or four year old, but we all, we all make mistakes and bear hunting, you know, it's just what happens. The, the meat's great. The hides are killer. Like, you know, if it happens where you shoot a small bear, you just try to learn from it and get better. But, um, let me start with field judging them. So when you spot a bear, you can really judge them good, like inside a thousand yards with the spotting scope, outside a thousand yards. Like it's tough with binos or a long ways away because you're just looking at the proportions of the bear, but it's tough to really see the ears. The ears are a real giveaway. So, you know, you can, the ears are like roughly the same size, no matter if it's a big bear or if it's a small bear. So if it's a small bear, it's just all ears. It looks like Dumbo, you know, his ears look really big. If it's a big bear, his ears look small, you know. And so that's, you know, that's one of the best tells on a bear. But you got to be closer to be able to see those ears. Otherwise, you're just looking at proportions. And, you know, sow to boars, you know, you you, you want to harvest a boar if possible, and so you got to be able to tell the difference. The best tell is a few little cubs running around, you know. You see a couple little cubs, you know it's a mama, and some of these sows get really big where it is tough to tell. Um, but, you know, you, you boar heads and sow heads are different, and so a, a young boar will look like a sow as well, but... Um, you know, basically, like their ears, if you draw a triangle from their ears down to their nose, if it's a long triangle, it looks like it has a long snout, looks like the ears are close together to sow. You know, if the ears are spread out and then you draw a triangle down to the tip of the nose and across the ears, um, you know, and it makes like a right triangle where the distance between the ears is the same measurement as from the ears down to the tip of the nose, like a right triangle with all three sides equal. Um, that's a boar. Um, also I noticed like sows, 
their rump or their hind end, they look like they're 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 all butt, you know, when you look at them. Their butt sits high in the air. It's bigger than their shoulders. Like boars just have this like uh they're they're real thick in the shoulders or they're wide in the shoulders and and big old arms and forearms on them and they're as big in the the shoulders and they sit as high like their back sits more level than with the rump high or almost you know front shoulders high um you know you also want to look for how low the belly goes you know does the belly go and this is more the proportions of the bear but you know does the belly go down to the knees is he filled out you know and and you can be able to tell and a, a big bear it has like an attitude a way it walks around the mountains too it just it it just kind of waddles around um so those are some of the signs i look for to judge bears another one i i kind of picked up or I think that really helps. So this is to tell the difference between a medium to a big boar. Um, a really big boar, like you can you can see a lot of space in between their legs, you know, and tell like that they're big. I also like to like compare them to logs over there. Like how big does their trunk look or their their size of their body compared to a log? It's almost like a little reference point we can use, spot and stocking. And and um you know and you know, judging a, a a bear, you know, like uh, guys that hunt them from, from stands and things. And, you know, I understand stands and baiting and in thick cover. And it is the best and most effective way to hunt bears. You can compare them to barrel size or make a mark on a tree and tell their height. But spot and stocking, when you're out just glassing terrain, which is my preferred mes- method, it's like the toughest way to harvest a bear. Um, but it's also the most fulfilling, rewarding, um, you know, not to say anything against baiting. It's, it's the way I do it. So of course I think it's the coolest, you know, and, and I, I really think bear hunting is, is some of the, the most thrilling hunting out there. Like I look forward to it every spring and it's so nice to just, you know, just have a bear tag in your pocket. And I really believe like in Montana, it's the toughest species to harvest with your bow. They're tougher to find. They're, they're, they're tough to, you know, you see them, um, they're never like 200 yards down the hill. They're always like two miles and across a river from a hill. And so you, you just got to absolutely send it and go for these things. You go for a stock. Well, the majority of times you get there and there, that bear isn't there. But you just make these, you keep making good approaches. You try to see if the bear's going to stay in that meadow, what he's doing. Get the wind right, of course, is number one. And you move in and eventually you catch up to that bear and he's there. And you, you know, hopefully you're able to shoot him or stick a a good arrow into him and and I'm not against you know hunting black bears with the rifle um like they're 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 meant for rifle hunting and you can you you gain some distance and and you're just more effective and efficient in the the bear woods and you know like I I think all hunting should you know I I think it starts with the rifle and then as you improve your skills and you're able to find more and more of them you know then you can take on the challenge with the bow and unless you're you know, unless you're just crazy like me and just want to chase him with a bow, as it is like dangerous game and dangerous game with a bow, it just excites me. They have teeth and claws and trying to get close. And even if it's a, a three year mission for me to kill a good mature bear with my bow, like that's the challenge I want to take. But, um, you know, they're made for rifle hunting. You get some more distance. You don't have to find as many of them. You can be pickier and look for larger boars. Um, you know, there's a lot of advantages to it and rifle hunting is fun. Like you're just walking around with the power in your hands. Gunny's coming in. He wants to join me on the podcast here. Um, you know, you just have, you, you have, um, you know, more range and, and you're more effective and, and search for bigger boars and, you know, 
I, you know, and I've gone, like, I, I love archery hunting. I just fallen in love with the challenge of it. I love how difficult it is, it, uh, like the discipline it takes, preparation. And so, like, I hunt everything with a bow. So I'm always in a bow hunter's mindset. But, you know, I don't know that that's the smartest all the time. Like, if you could use, you know, I use a compound because it's a, more of an advantage than a than a recurve, you know, and in same way up the line, like rifle is is more of an advantage than a than a bow, and you get to hunt different seasons. Like I I cut my teeth and learned a lot late season elk hunting with my rifle. I just love that season, and you continue to learn and and so I've dedicated myself to my bow, but to each their own. Everybody finds out their different path, and and I was able to improve my skills to a point to where I could be really effective with my bow and to take it to the next level I committed myself wholeheartedly to it so all my time is spent bow hunting so that's the only way I think about scenarios is how I'm going to get close I'm always looking at the wind and so it works for me and that's uh you know that's my path but sometimes I I you know I wonder I see guys that are effective with all tools and really good with their bow and really good with their rifle and take advantage of all those seasons and are able to to come up with some trophy animals and and be good hunters with both he- weapons, so you know I, I'm I'm, uh, I'm I'm dragging it into the dirt here, but I just like I have these thoughts about things that I don't mention on the podcast, so I'm um, definitely not against him for bear season. You know I I think it's a um, you know such a valuable tool for us hunters to to be able to get out and harvest bears, but um so let's see I lost my place I got into the weeds there a bit, but. Um, so, so bear hunting, so judging them, you want to be able to tell it's a boar. You want to be able to tell how mature it is and what the size is. And, and that's one of the toughest things with, with bears. Another thing that I'm, that I'm looking at too is big bears, you know, they seem to have like a stretched out neck, like a five, five and a half footer. It looks like even though you can tell it's a boar and the proportions look right, the head looks right on the shoulders. You know, there's there's no stretched out neck there. And I've noticed that that neck, you know, means that it's more of a mature bear. Um, and then if I can get a good look at the head, you just know a mature boar. His ears start to be on the side of his head. You can see a crease in between his, his skull. You see the big pumpkin head. And then the nose looks like a like a stovepipe on there, you know. And so, um, you know, all, always always good. Like, judge him up. And, and like in Montana and, and in Idaho, you know, there's, there's places where um, you know, we, we hunt where there's grizzly bears. And so, you know, grizzly bears, it's just good to identify and look at every bear you see. And, a a young grizzly bear would be the tough one to, you know, to analyze. I mean, the, the hump is so distinct on a grizzly bear most of the time that even the cubs are running around with a little hump and, and, uh, you know, mom's got a hump and they're grizzled color. You know, the, the grizzly bears have more of a dishpan face where the black bears have a straight profile all the way from the top of the head, straight down the nose. Um, what are some of the, oh, the, the ears on a grizzly bear around where the, they're pointed on a black bear. Um, it's just good to take a really good look because there's all different color phases of grizzlies and there's all different color phases of black. So you can't just go off the color. You got to really look and identify the the bear and even big black bears. You know, I've been doing it for so many years that you know I can I'm I'm pretty good at identifying. But even those big black bears sometimes with a chocolate color on them, you know, and they're bent over and you see a little hump on their shoulders and you're like, man, oh man, what what is that? It it just um. You know, look at as many bears as you can and as many pictures, and you just have to be 100%, you know, of, of identify them. And 
identifying them to to know what they are. You know, you can also tell in the tracks, the the claw size, but all of that stuff can can be different. You know, to the bear. So, um, you know, get good at identifying your bears, identifying the size, and then like the toughest thing with bear season is there's just fewer of them than deer and elk. Like going out and getting discouraged and not seeing bears and knowing where to look. Um, so that's that's the toughest thing. And, you know, I'm always adapting and evolving too. So, you know, I've given the advice, you know, through writings and articles and, um, you know, even on the podcast. Like I've, I've loved to find these bears, you know, on pocket parks on the north sides of hills. And so the north sides of hills... You know, I really focus on the grass in the springtime and, and the most neon green grass will hold the bears. And so they really like bottoms or seeps coming down. And and I've I've really done good finding them on north side hills on pocket parks is great. And, you know, the big wide open south facers, I don't see them. But, you know, a lot of that is my experience just in this valley. And I'm trying to travel more and, and hunt more places for these bears. Idaho has some awesome seasons and, and awesome backcountry and different parts of Montana, you know, where I, I'm hunting these things in Alpine basins and, and, um, you know, big draws and things. And so, you know, a, a lot of my information was, you know, the years I spent in my home Valley and, you know, the next couple valleys over, but just my surrounding home is what I was giving advice for because that's all I knew. And so now as I start to get out and I start to hunt some of these different places and find bears in different areas, like I've noticed other areas. So, in my valley, it's a fairly open valley, and so, you know, a big south facer, and I have south facers that I find them on, you just got to find good bear country, and then, you know, my preferred method is is that master vantage point, like, it's so important, like, when you can find the absolute best place to show you a drainage where you can look over just miles of country and sit on on that vantage point, like, that's when you find bears, and it's not just making it to that vantage point, and glassing around because you could be in the best bear spot in the world and glass around not see any bears and leave that vantage point and that night seven of them come out you know they 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 wander in and out of those openings and you just have to sit on those vantage points and be patient like i'd sit on a vantage point all day long if it's the right vantage point i'll sit there for eight ten hours you know and I like to move around and grab new vantage points too, where I'll sit on a spot for an hour or two and then I'll move to another one. And it's it's all dependent on how much I can see. And in a lot of country, you have to continue to move through and then glass as you move through it. But, you know, still hunting bears, like I just don't see that many hunting through country or moving through country. Every once in a while, I'll glass one up or I'll, I'll see one out in front of me or bump into one. But, you know, that's in real bear heavy country where I know there's bears at where I've glassed them before and I'm making my way to the vantage point or I'm changing vantage points and run into them. But it, it just seems like more chance where it seems like when I find these master vantage points, I'm just able to dissect the country and I'm able to sit up there for hours on the best place I can see. And all of a sudden there's a chocolate or there's a blonde or there's a there's a jet black, you know, and I, I you just see more of them. They're a long ways away. They're tough to catch up to. But in my mind, it's just the absolute best way to hunt bears. So back to my north side pocket parks, I do really good in my drainage or, you know, my big valley and then you know, certain mountain ranges around my valley and then surrounding drainages looking on these north sides. I also have some south sides that I look at. And I think it's just more about the country than the direction facing. My point I'm getting to here is I started hunting, you know, these different spots in Montana and I get in there and it and it's all 
timber. And, and the north sides are all just timber and rock and cliffs. And the only places you can see are the south sides. So you get set up and look, start looking over all these south sides. And you look in rough and rugged country. And basically these bears, they just like sparsely open cover. They love to come out in sparse open grass, be able to feed, and then tuck back in the timber. And they really like like real rocky, gnarly terrain too. Um, just nasty canyons, you know. That's That's what they seem to like, you know. With, with with little parks in them, little meadows, seeps, um, you know, it just seems like they prefer the good country, no matter which way it's facing, and and so in my valley, that like a lot of the south facers are just too open and sagebrushy, and they don't want to come out in that wide open. You know, they'd rather just come out in a little isolated meadow, feed for a while, and go back in. And and bears in in the super early season. Um, you know, like April, early May, when the bears are just coming out of their den and we're probably transitioning out of this period now, all look in country that doesn't even have many feeding features. It's just like gnarly rock canyons, just with rocks and caves and crags. And I see a lot of bears that just come outside their dens and wander and feed around their dens and then go back in. You know, I think around this time of the year, they're, the bears are out, they're on the feed, they're on the green, um, you know, they're looking, they've moved towards the grass and they have a feeding features that they're, that they're living in and feeding in and, you know, I'll see, I'll see bears a couple times, but a lot of times when you see a bear, um, it, you just got to try to make a play on it or try to watch it. And a lot of times a bear is going to disappear from you. You glass him from the vantage point. He's going to go in some place where, where you can't go. A lot of times they just tuck into the timber and they take like a couple hour nap and then they come back out. Like this is a good, you know, a good point for you. If you see him disappear in the timber, don't see him move off that you could go grab a closer vantage point that just looks over that feature where you're in striking distance to that bear. That's a good move. Or just staying on the vantage point and letting them come out again and knowing how much time it's going to take to get there and estimate. And uh, then you watch them come out and go for them, you know. Um, it's a tough thing is you always see these things a ways away. And it's it's never like a guarantee that you're going to get one. You, you just got to try to make your, your best estimate. I like to watch them for like 10, 15 minutes, see where they're headed, see what they're doing. And usually I feel pretty good if they come out and they're just feeding around on grass. I know that they're going to be right in that area. If they're on the move, like good luck. You just got to sit and watch them and see if they end up in a spot because they're just going to walk away from you. So um, I love getting these 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 master vantages and just looking over as much country as I as I can and so you know you're looking for rock outcroppings you're looking you know for for peaks that give you good vantages and and these bears in the springtime man it seems like these things are all elevation like you find the right elevation you find the bears and that elevation changes throughout the season but I, I love like if you can find the right elevation, it seems like that elevation holds pretty good across the state too. Like right now, I'm finding them, you know, six to seven thousand feet, I'd say, in elevation, and maybe even a touch below six. But that seems to be the sweet spot right now, six to seven, and that'll change as that snow melts. It it seeps into the green grass, and the green grass growing right on the snow melt is just these brand new, fresh green shoots, and those bears love that. They love to be right on the snowmelt or right below the snowmelt, right where the green's coming in. 
um, seems to be their preferred elevation. And so, you know, you go up too high and you're just, you're in the snow, just fighting it. You know, you may see a track or something of a bear moving down, but a lot of times you're just not going to see him. If the feed's not there, you know, you could catch a bear going outside his den, but you know, the, the same with, you know, going too low, you can look at bear features and, you know, you may pick one up here or there, but they just seem to be like, condensed at a certain elevation and so I like to really key into the elevation and then look for features inside that elevation and so that's a tough time springtime you may have seen bears in the fall or in other times and you see them at an elevation and you think that's a good bear canyon go back in there and you don't see them um, you know, it's, you just got to really key in at all the sweet features that are six to 7,000 feet and then find master vantage points on them and just watch them. And, you know, you, you, you kind of hunt your way up to those vantage points. And I, I have some sparse timber that's got some green grass. It's right at the perfect elevation. And heck the other night we were walking up to the vantage point and I know bears like this feature cause you always see sign of them in there. And so we still hunt our way up to the vantage point. Um, still hunted our way up and caught a blonde and it was like, it, it was a boar and he was decent. I think he was under five and a half foot, you know, but, um, Dan was psyched on him and, and wanted to try to kill him and good hide. And, you know, it was a, a decent boar, you know, wasn't a young one or whatever. And so we made a stock on it and we had him in bow range at like 50 and we tried to get 10 more yards because we just didn't have a shot. He was just in the grass and in and out and, we had a great wind coming up the hill, made a great approach on him and tried to get those 10 more yards. And Dan about had the 10 yards and he's just watching the bear. And it, when you can keep your eye on a bear, you move as his head's down feeding. And then every time he picks up his head, you just freeze and be silent. Um, it, it's so advantageous on bears and on other animals. Just like when you can keep your eyes on their head and on their mannerisms and, and where they're paying attention to. And then when you're moving, they're feeding, you know, and when they pick their head up and are looking for danger or another bear, you know, you're totally silent and you totally stop where, you know, and, and bears are, it seems like bears are, but all animals, they really see movement. You know, they see movement far beyond or above anything else. You know, your camo pattern or your colors or it seems like if you're holding still, like you can hide from those things. And in, in bears, like I've hid from them in the middle of a meadow, like you can be moving in on them in the middle of a meadow and they're, what are they? Are they, they're, um, far sided or near sided, but you know, they, anyways, my point is, is they, they don't see great, but if they catch you moving, oh, you're busted. They're out of there. Um, but if, if, if they're feeding and you can just walk up in a wide open meadow on them and then when they pick up their head, you freeze and they just think you're a tree or you're a bush or you're, and they'll go back to feeding and you can move right in on them. So we were moving in on this bear, keeping an eye on them. And, um, Damn it, had got the 10 yards. He was inside probably 40 on that bear. And he just, um, he stepped on his stick and just crack. And just that bear's head shot up. And it looked around for a couple seconds and then out of there. And those, you know, the, those bears, they have to contend with older bears too. And grizzly bears. And so, you know, this five and a quarter, five and a half foot bear or whatever, um, you know, it heard her stip, stick pop and wanted no part of it. He was out of there. So sound can be just as important, and a black bear will spook just like a whitetail will. You know, when it hears the wrong sound, if it catches movement, um, you know, of course catches your wind. Uh, the majority of bears bust you from the wind, the swirling mountain winds. And so, like, a, a lot of times my approach, even if I find one, 
I want to wait till the evening to make a play because I got those downhill thermals and it gets more consistent. I can make a play right on that bear, um, you know, and it like it's always better when you can come from above or same elevation. But sometimes those bears like the most important thing is the wind. Um, So I'm always paying attention to the directionals and the thermals. And um, I went on a stock the other night on a jet black, um, big jet black boar. One I really wanted to kill, and um, got over there. The, the wind was blowing from us to him the whole time, so kind of the the directional was was blowing kind of across the hillside and towards this bear. But this bear was in this draw in this big canyon, and so like in this draw, I just knew like once it got shaded, the wind would be coming down this draw. The thermals would be dropping down this draw, dropping down this side hill. The directionals were going to be blocked by that hillside. And um, so sure enough, I went all the way over there, got over there, got on the edge of the draw, and it was a little dicey, but, you know, the bear was in the draw. And the minute I dropped in that draw, that wind was coming right down and at me the whole time. And a crick to block the noise of the approach also, like, stalking the timber is a little noisy right now. That's why Dan stepped on the stick. But um, in the grass meadows right now, it's just dead silent. Um, so, you know, I had a good approach. The bear just wasn't there when I got there. I, I know I didn't spook him or anything. He just wandered off. And that's that's a lot of bear hunting. You're going to go on a lot of empty stalks. But um, my point is is that, you, you know, hunt your way through to different places. Uh, bears love skitter roads. And I think if their densities are high enough, you know, you could pick up more on the skitter roads. I end up seeing a lot of sign, and I'll see a bear every handful of times in there on a skitter road, you know. Um, but it, it's not my main way to hunt them. I just, it's my route of travel. Like, I take mountain bikes down them, and you can cover a lot of miles on them. And so I'm just trying to be effective, and I'm trying to be hunting all the time. And whether that's still hunting or hunting and glassing, but I'm, I'm usually always headed to a vantage point to make a sit. I'm always headed to a spot where I can sit and I can watch and look over everything. But, you know, then after two, three hours, you know, it's like, man, I don't know if anything's there. I think I'll hunt my way back down and out this bottom. Bottoms are like skitter roads. Those bears use them all the time to feed in, to travel through. And so I'll hunt my way out of bottom or hunt my way through the sparse timber where I've seen sign. Or So, you know, I'm just always trying to be effective with my time. But I do... Like the absolute best way to find bears is those master vantage points. And so me and Dan bumped into that bear still hunting, which, like I say, happens every few times. He about killed that one. Then got to the master vantage, set up, started glassing around. And and sure enough, a couple hours, we picked out a, a chocolate bear, same elevation over on the features that we were glassing. And so we sent it for that one in the evening, too. Barely had enough time to get to it, but great wind coming down the draw. Same thing. Great grass approach to him. We knew the feature. In fact, Dan's killed a bear on that feature before and um, knew the feature right up and on it, glassed it right, and bear's just gone when we got there. So like I say, that happens quite a bit, but eventually he'll be there. Um, so yeah, it's it's just a combination of tactics, I think. And and everybody's different. You know, some some people run into more of those bears hiking around and glassing around. Like, like to hike in glass features is like a mobile vantage point. And there's... So many features that you just like can't find the absolute master vantage point. And so you have to do like a mobile vantage point where you just like work a ridgeline and you're glassing open features. And then you get a good vantage point on it. And you may sit down for a half an hour, an hour and glass it. And then you're back up and keep moving back down and you're looking for sign and looking for bears like like that. That is a good tactic. Um, 
but but when it lends itself to it, like those master vantage points are just so key. Just show you so much country, and you just you, you realize that you can look over these miles and miles of good country, and you may not see a bear for hours. And then all of a sudden you'll see one. You'll pick one out or you'll pick one out on another feature. And just knowing there's a bear there, you just have such a better chance at, at killing that thing, you know. So that's what I like to do, especially in the season we're in right now where all the bears are really focused on the feed. And really it's my tactic for all times of the year. Just in the earlier part of the year, I'll look lower and then I'll look in some real rocky, nasty country and pick these bears coming out of their dens. And... um. So yeah, it's it's been fun this year being able to travel a little bit, hunt some new country. I love hunting bears so much. It's like they're the funnest animal to just glass and watch and the funnest animal to try to figure out. And it's like a black magic because you you know, you can go out multiple days and not see a bear and that's what what gets frustrating, but you just got to keep theorizing and keep going and I've noticed that hunting some of these different places across the state and and I've traveled and hunted bears before. But, you know, really starting to turn up more and hunting places and higher densities. And, and um, you know, I've also noticed that it's helped me find country in my own valley, which, you know, I think that I've I've hunted and found every place in my own valley. But it just makes me look at things different and go, well, God, what, a, what about this face or this canyon in here? And so I'm finding myself with a couple, three, four new spots I want to check out in this valley, too. So hopefully we got this low cloud cover. It's supposed to rain every day this week, but. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping I can get out tonight and get to one of these vantage points, one of these new spots and just check it out and just see, you know, see if I can turn some up. And so there's a lot of scouting involved. And, and for me, my season consists of going to proven spots, spots I know, drainages I know where there's bears, proven vantage points that I've learned, but then also exploring new country and, and trying to hunt places you know, like traveling around the state, I'm just trying to find places with higher densities or find places where these boars can really grow up and you can find a six, six and a half, seven foot or a, you know, I've got a handful of bears, like three bears that are in the 19 skull range. I think I've got one 19 and five eights, but a 20 inch bear is like the ultimate, you know? And so, uh, I find myself looking around for one of those, but I really enjoy it. And then I just love the challenge of that bow and arrow and how thrilling the stocks get. Um, you know, and I, I carry a pistol now for protection and then, and then also bear spray and you'll get one out of 10 black bears will get kind of ornery or a bad attitude. Like most of them run away from you and are scared as you of anything, you know, they're scared like a white tail is they run away from you the moment they know you're there. But then every once in a while, you'll get one that'll stand up on kind of look at your poppets teeth or, you know, sows with cubs can be dangerous. And so you got to really keep your wits about you. And I, I used to feel like it was just me versus the bears and going out with a bow and arrow, you know, that was the real deal. But, you know, you you just, you got such a responsibility to your family to come home every time. And, and yes, it's thrilling and yes, it's exciting and, and you take the right precautions and, and I think it's, it's really safe to do, but you have to take those right precautions, not put yourself in a bad situation or not be prepared for a bad situation. Um, so yeah, it's, um, it's, it's just part of hunting them, but, but part of it that, that keeps it really exciting, you know, and, and same thing, you know, with a rifle too, you shoot a bear and hit them bad and got to go in and recover them. I mean, that thing could charge at you, you know, from the brush. And so you just got to always have your wits about you. Um, 
you know, always keep your head on a swivel. Like my, my rule of thumb for these grizzly bears, like I don't like to get inside a hundred yards and have them just find out I'm there. Like that's when they get fight or flight. Same things with like a sow with a cub's black bear or any black bear for that matter. They inside a hundred yards, they have to choose that fight or flight. They either come at you and charge or try to bluff charge you or spook you or they flee away. And and I just don't like to give bears that that opportunity. I like to stay back, stay out of that that comfort range or out of that hundred yards, and and watch him. Give him a wide berth if it's a grizzly bear. Just stay out of his way and let him move around, and just never give him the option to where you're close proximity. And if I run into one inside a hundred yards, like I'm usually trying to back up out of there and get out of there without him knowing. Um, the only time I make myself aware is when you get a curious bear that's coming at you or you are inside a hundred yards and that thing sees you and starts walking at you. Like you got to, you know, shout at him. Hey bear. Hey bear. No, I'm a human or whatever you say when you're just pumped full of adrenaline, like it, and you start getting scared, you know, you just start yelling at him a bit, wave your arms, let them know that, Hey, you know, I'm a human. I'm here. Um, that's, that's my move to make, but I net, like, I usually don't want to get in that situation. I just want to stay away from those bears, not get inside a hundred yards, not give them that fight or flight. So that's, that's part of my, my safety, always keeping your head on a swivel, always keeping where you can, you can see, you know, as far as camping, like I try to get off travel corridors. I try not to camp on ridge lines, you know, camp back in that deep, dark timber where that thing doesn't want to wander in there to look for you or look for food. You never have food in your tent, never have your campsite or your eating spot right next to, next to your tent. And, um, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of nights in the wilderness, you know, I've never, never had a problem where I sleep because I keep a, a clean camp. Um, so that's just part of the the safety that's involved. Also, the safety, rough and rugged terrain. Yeah, watch what you sign yourself up for. Um, a river crossings like those those pack rafts would be so advantageous. It seems like bears when you're looking for good spots, they love big drainages or big canyons, and and these lend themselves to glassing because you can be on one side of the canyon, glass on the other side. Um, but a lot of times there's a river in the bottom or a creek crossing in the bottom. Uh, that black bear I told you about had to wet wade the creek down there because I didn't have time to look for a log or go the mile down to the spot where I'd crossed, you know, and so I was able to cross that. But a lot of times I have these rafts and I've been using like a little pool raft, which is not exactly the safest, but I've been doing it for years and it's like a little one man pool raft and I'll cross little rivers with that. And it's fine. Like I'm not floating down them or anything. It's just a one-time cross, but you know, that can get sketchy too. When, when I first started, uh, I, I did it. So a raft is way safer. If you hear the way that I started chasing these things, there was this Canyon where I I was seeing these bears, but there's a, a river, a real river in the bottom of it. And um, I'd see these bears, and I was like, man, oh, i got to figure out a way to get across this river. I can't wait it. It's too deep. It's fairly fast. Well, so I came up with this solution of buying an inner tube, like an inner tube you'd float the river in, like a, I don't know what, you know, just a cheap pool. Uh, you know, it's meant for a, for a pool, not meant for a river. Away. But you know what I mean, like just an inner tube or whatever. But it's so lightweight. And then I'd bring my waders and my rain jacket, and then... 
I'd kick my, I'd put my backpack on with my bow on and I'd kick across in this inner tube and kick my feet and paddle with my hands. I think I started bringing one paddle. So awkward. I tried sitting in it and paddling across. And I'd, you just can't move across a river in an inner tube. And you were exhausted when you got on the other side. Like you're breathing heavy. Like you just Michael Phelps in the pool, you know, you just like the adrenaline's running and you're trying to get across and you're floating downstream and you're just doggy paddling and kicking. Oh my gosh, you get across and you're heart's just racing you know you're just out of breath and um that was a little sketchier especially you know this water I was crossing I mean there's white water down and through there I just cross on good sections or whatever so the pool raft is way safer now than the inner tube uh but I need to go safer yet I need to get like one of those pack rafts or something um been looking at a couple different companies like I think it'd be a good thing for Alaskan caribou and uh you know, for bear season and, and I th- rivers create such obstacles for guys. And so I think for all hunting, really like every advantage you can get in your favor and just to have a little raft where you can cross a lake or cross a, a river, it just gets you away from where guys are hunting. And, and especially in these canyons, I use them a bunch for, for hunting bears. Um, so yeah, my next move, I got to get one of these little pack rafts so I don't drown in the river down there trying to chase a bear. Um, but yeah, man, they are fun. It's a fun season and it's, you got to kind of pay your dues and learn some drainages that'll produce bears. But once you find those vantage points that produce bears, you know, you just know like half of it is having the confidence that there's a bear there. And so you find those vantage points, the right elevation, the right looking country and sit down. Like I know I'm going to see a bear because it all fits. But for a guy that's just starting out, it's tough. You're going to go to a lot of spots and you're going to see zero bears. I still see zero bears. Um, fact i got skunked the other night um went to a vantage point to go look for that chocolate that me and dan had seen and got to a decent vantage point i mean we could see some country but we were pretty much looking for that bear and a couple other features and um and we walked over looked at another canyon too glassed it for a while but yeah i took a blank in there that's just part of bear hunting um but man are they fun when you're finding them and getting into them and then being able to field judge them and then seeing a big boar and that big pumpkin head and it's dangerous game and trying to go down there and and uh get a shot at it with a rifle get a good resting or like in my case like the bow and arrow like the stock is so fun it's so thrilling i describe bear hunting as 99 percent boredom and one percent pure thrilling excitement like it is so fun when you get a stock so i've had some good stocks this season i just need to keep after them keep hunting some of these new drainages keep grabbing vantage points yeah uh, 21 for the season so far so it's a good season um like if I can see 30 to 50 it's a it's a great season and with a bow I just have to see more than the average guy it's part of what makes me a better bow a better bear hunter too is with a bow like the first big bear I see or you know in the first 10 10 bears you see you find a good bear and you you work over you got a good chance to kill him with a rifle it's so tough with the bow like I end up failing a lot. So, you know, I've seen four shooters this season and I failed on all four so far. So I'm still hunting and I'm still gaining experience. So it just gives me so many days in the mountains, so many days bow hunting for bears and increases my knowledge base by so much just on an experience level alone, you know? And so it's made me the bear hunter that I am. And so I just love the challenge of trying to get close to these things and trying to arrow a good bear. Um, can't wait. It's uh, the last couple of years I've gone to Hawaii, June 1st to June 15th. They extended a lot of the seasons in Montana to June 15th. 
and uh with the the big winners we've had like um bear hunting's just getting good towards the end of may and into that first part of june and i've left and gone to hawaii and so i've kind of missed that end of the season and so yeah, i've got a couple of years you know and i don't just need a bear if i needed a medium bear you know i passed a couple really good mediums five and a half foot chocolate and a five and a half foot black and a couple ones you know i think i'd have my bear if i was just looking for a for a, a decent one but I, I'd really like to find that you know just one that I'm gonna be super psyched with where if it comes together I'm just pumped beyond belief because he's got a giant pumpkin head and and for me just to keep my season going and keep learning new areas and I, I'm really psyched about some of these new spots in Montana I love my home drainages I know them so well the next couple over it's it's endless you never learn at all there's always more places to go explore I mean there's there's vantage points in my backyard that I haven't found yet that I haven't gotten that you know hopefully I go to a new one today I'm pretty psyched with it in in vantage points too that sometimes I find sometimes the timing's off you know I talk about you find the best bear spot in the world and you get up there and you glass and and you don't see any bears and you leave but those bears just come out like in the evening that's another thing I need to cover too is times to hunt bear but you know and then in the evening they come out and and you're not there to see them well, it's it's the same thing with vantage points and bear spots. Like sometimes you may go up a canyon, you get an awesome vantage point, you spend the whole day up on the best spot, you know, to to look at it, but your timing's off. The bears aren't on the grass in that spot. It's too high in elevation, it's too low in elevation, it's too early in the season. The grass isn't right. Like it it all comes down to those conditions, you know, and and timing it right. So a lot of these vantage points I've been to where I haven't seen a bear and I move on to the next one, I need to go back to these spots and try to time them a little bit different. You know, a week later in the season, you know, refer back to my bear hunting journal where you start writing everything down and dates and where you see them in certain spots because it it ties together. And where I find bears in that area that time of year, I'll find them the next year that time of year. Now, sometimes that changes because the conditions in the spring can be two weeks late or two weeks early or whatever. But but I try to relate those conditions to those spots, and then I'll go back there, and sure enough, I'll see bears. But you go too early, you don't see anything but snow, or you know, you go too late, and the bears have already moved out of there. That you know, that big canyon, that big drainage that I've talked about, or I, I've refer- referenced here, like it's five to six thousand feet in elevation. It's really good early, but by the time you get to May, those bears are out of there. They move towards the grass, follow the snow melt, they're gone, and so. You know, a lot of bear hunting and a lot of hunting in general is just timing. Um, so I'm still learning spots around here. So times to hunt bears. So this is once I, I want to circle back to this. So, all right, that's a tough one. Um, you can see a bear at any time of the day, at any time of the season. And so it's tough to relate it. Now, I am really partial to the afternoon evenings. I love the afternoon evenings. And I think it has to do with the weather. In the early season, it's snowing or it's raining or it's even sunny, but it's only 50, 60 degrees. I think these bears feed and then they go to bed for a couple hours and then feed for a couple hours. I see them throughout the day from from morning to afternoon to evening. I, I actually noticed that right in the evening, I don't see them coming out like, um, you know, how like first light and last light are always the immor- most important times to hunt. Bears, I noticed that they're out like six, seven o'clock, and sometimes last light they're not out. Now, where that changes is once it starts getting hot, 
like 70, 80 degree, sunshiny every day. I really notice those bears come out in the evening, you know, the last hour, last couple hours, they start showing themselves and feeding around. But earlier in the season or like with what the the weather is now, you could find a bear at any time of the day. I like to focus on afternoon evenings, um, but I know good guys that do good in the mornings too. And um, so right now, you know, kind of my money time right now has been like, God, I'd say maybe five to seven o'clock or so. It's getting dark around 9.30. 5 to 7 seems to be pretty good. I like late afternoons. And right now, I'm still seeing them all times of the day. As it starts to get warmer, like I say, I'll start focusing on the evenings. But if you just had one time to pick, you know, to hunt bears, they hunt so good in the evenings. You know, that's that's the money time to be on those vantage points. And so bear hunting, it's, you know, it's kind of nice for me that I live in a good bear area where I can... I can work throughout the day. I can take care of things, get my chores done. You know, if it's the weekend, I can even go fishing a little bit during the day. And then once it starts to get to that afternoon, evening, I've got my spot that I'm going to go and I'm going to go hunt hard for a few hours and see if I can turn one up and get a stock and then return home and, and do it the next day, you know, or as many days as I can. Of course, I've got family and softball games and you know uh, uh, work and everything else podcasts and everything else in life you know trying to balance time but um it's so nice that I can get things done and go in the evening and that's the most effective best way to hunt bears and so um you know if you got all day like now in the early season I'll go out a little bit earlier if I have all day I'll I'll spend the day bear hunting but I really like that afternoon evening program um seems to be seems to be key for bears um yeah, when you're glassing up country, the neon green grass, the the greenest places, the place you think you'd see a bear is where that bear pops out a lot of times. So um, looking for the absolute best green grass, best feed is key. They like a rougher terrain, a rougher, rockier terrain, but but still with open meadow grass or, or steep mountain grass on it. They love that. And, and the key is to just find these big drainages, you know, where there's a creek or a river in the bottom where you can get on one side and it just give you a master vantage point and just see what's moving around in there. And, um, you know, I notice a lot of times it's tough for me to find in the early season. Sometimes I'll find a bear that's just living in a feature. So he's coming out, he's living in one meadow or living in the timber around that meadow. So Sorry, shut my door. Just the the girls arguing. <laughs> uh, just sisters, not really arguing, but talking about something out there. So shut my office door. But I sometimes I'll see a repeat offender where a bear is just living in an area. This usually happens in the early part of the season. And sometimes I'll kill a bear and you'll find, you know, 10, 15 piles of scat around there where it's like, man, he is just living in this meadow. You don't see him every day in that meadow, but you know, I think he's there and feeding around there every day. And so sometimes there's a bear just living in a feature like that. Sometimes bears are just wandering through feeding. And so when I find a good vantage point that's producing, you know, I'll go there. Sometimes I'll see a repeat offender, see that bear again. Some, you know, a lot of times I'll see a bear and I'll never see that bear again. I'll see him one night and then he's gone. Um, or see a couple bears that night, and then the next night, I'll see different bears from that feature. They're just moving through. So once you find a good bear spot, it'll turn up multiple bears. You just got to go there, sit on the vantage point, see what shows up, go the next night, give it a couple days, go again, you know, and it's it's amazing the different bears that'll show up or that you'll see and how tough it is to find the original bear that you saw. 
Uh, you know, I, c- I can't count how many times I've seen a giant boar and I don't get a play or and then I come back the next night and I look for him and I just I can't turn that thing up. Look for him for the next couple days and just can't turn him up, you know. So um, capitalize when you do get the opportunity on those things. And um, it's just a fun time of the year to get out. Um, good bonus is, you know, finding some sheds around. You know, and anytime you're in the woods, you're learning, you know, and you see a lot of elk and deer as their numbers are condensed this time of year, too. So, you know, it, it just gives you a good gauge as you're as you're moving through country. And I just anytime that I'm walking around the woods, I'm just gathering information for the future. You know, whether it's I run into elk rubs in there or I see a bunch of elk or see some moose or find some bears. It, it just all registers, you know, and so uh, it's just a great time of the year to be out, great time to chase those things around, and they make such a trophy. Like, the 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 hide is so nice. I, bear meat eats so good. Um, it's got a little bit more fat content, usually ground into sausage or burger or something like that. But um, it's just great meat and um, great hides and so exciting and thrilling to hunt. Really fun to do with buddies, too, as you grab vantage points together and and hunt together, put on some good miles here in the woods. I it just doesn't get any better for me. And I wanna I wanna do more of it and travel to different places and really focus on it in the spring. Of course I love to hunt grizzly bears sometimes, but yeah, you know, sometime, but just not, you know not my tax bracket right now or not something I can afford, but I would like to travel to Alaska and hunt some of those coastal bears. Those coastal black bears get so big, just six and a half, seven foot, 20, 21 inch skull. It'd be fun to like rent a boat and, um, hunt those things like on the, the edge of the ocean there, you know, and cover country that way. Um, so I'd like to put something like that together for bears, but for right now, focused on Montana, um, God, I want to get, I want to get hunting Idaho, and so I've got some good ideas and some good canyons, drainages, places I want to go to in Idaho and hunt these things, so yeah, I I, want to expand into that, but it's like, God, I just, I really got to figure out Montana, not that I need to kill a bear every year, but just have the opportunities, those big ones I want every year, and so um, yeah, it's going to be a fun rest of the year. I'm going to be chasing these things around. I hope you guys are too. Just wanted to get out a good bear podcast with some some new thoughts and, and theories I had on bear hunting, some things that are helping me out, you know, as as far as field judging and, and, and finding bear areas. I think the toughest thing with bears is just finding them, you know. And so once you can start to kind of unlock the secrets to what those bears are looking for, looking in the right canyons, the right vantage points, the more you can find, the funner it's going to be for you guys and the more exciting it's going to be for you guys. So, um, yeah, get after these things. Um, you know, Montana, Idaho, both have spring seasons. Um yeah, I think you got to get your tag like five days in advance in Montana. I'm not sure about Idaho, but yeah, check into it. And um, it's just a great off-season hunt, and it sure furthers your learning curve all the way around. And uh, fun time of year to be out. So thanks, you guys. I sure appreciate it. Solo episode, Eastman's Elevated. Kept it under an hour, which is really good for me. Uh, I, I want to thank the, the sponsors again, High Mountain Seasonings. Um, just great jerky seasonings, uh, steak marinades. Uh, sausage, you know, pretty much anything you need to, to process uh, game animals. Uh, make sure to check them out. Taito knives, ultra lightweight, um, ultra sharp, rep- replaceable blade knives. Um, yeah, they just make a great knife, uh, great for skinning bears. 
Um, great for, for skinning any animal, processing any animal, and just so light. You're just talking about ounces you have with your blades and with your knife and sheath and things. So make sure to check them out, Taito Knives. And um, make sure to check out um, um, Eastman's. We've got the subscriptions to the magazine. You can text Elevated319 to 22828. It'll get you a subscription to both magazines. it gets you a free MRS book. Uh, such a great resource for hunters out there. I know I use mine all the time. Great articles, especially leading into hunting season, just preparing you and getting you ready um, to find success. You know, it's um, there's so much great opportunity for us uh, uh, blue-collar, you know, hardworking guys that get a weekend or a week here or there or want to chase game animals around on on public lands, you know, with an over-the-counter tag or easy-to-draw tag or draw tag, you know, whatever the case is. But there's just so much opportunity for adventure for us out there. And it's so great to start gathering knowledge in all these different western states and you know, because you take advantage of your own state. In fact, you just, you take advantage of your home valley so much, and then you start to explore more and just realize how much there is out there in your own state, how many different units and opportunity. Montana is such a huge state, and we've got so, so much great bear hunting and elk hunting and mule deer hunting, antelope, and you just want to find like the best place in the entire state to hunt those animals, because when you're into them and have action and you're getting chances with your bow, man, it doesn't get any better than that. And, and the bigger picture is not only exploring your own state, but then looking at all these other Western states and gathering information of where they hunt best for each species and, and what, uh, you know, what habitat suits your hunting style too, you know, and, and, and trying to find it, you know, whether it's backcountry or whether it's desert or mountains or, you know, um, the, the in-between or, you know, the, just finding the right fit for you and the right fit for a hunt and then the right fit for the, the season where, you know, nowadays being a backcountry bow hunter, like I can pretty much hunt all year round. Like there isn't too many months where I can't be hunting things. You're traveling to Arizona in January and some of the hunting I've been doing in Hawaii and June, July, and then, you know, God, I mean, August antelope and, and early season deer and September, October, November, late season deer, you know, December, you know, there's just, there's, there's always something to do. But uh, anyway, Eastman's is such a valuable resource to pick up all that information to learn where it's the best and where you can travel and get into that good hunting action or good bow hunting action, you know, I just love it. It's so cool that we have that opportunity living here. So, um, all right, guys. Thanks for the support. Uh, solo episode. We'll get another one out this week and uh, check on you soon.